Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes a spider Good morning. What's up? This is Joe. This is Jordan. It's the AM shift. <laughs> and we are sending a rest in peace to Stanley. The one and only. The one and only. Stanley. Stan the man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. It's been a, like a, I guess kind of crazy week, but uh, the biggest news potentially, at least for me, was the passing of Stanley. Yeah. yeah. Uh... So we figured, you know, we got to we got to dedicate an episode or at least part of an episode to the man. Um so uh you know, it's so hard like when you when you especially like a guy like Stan Lee to talk about like the impact they've had on your life cuz like I feel like the guys had an impact on many people, you know, it's just millions of people. Yeah, lives, right? yeah. Um, so what is like, uh, what was like your, like, let's start here. What was like your earliest memory of Stan Lee? Like finding out who he was, you know, what have you, like. Uh, you know what, it's, it's tough because it's tough for me to really um, pinpoint because I think it probably started with me seeing his name all the time in comic books right just stanley 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 Stanley. yeah yeah. Um, and remember in a lot of uh issues or even reprints they would have like stan soapbox or he'd it'd be like a letter from the editor right right and he'd always have a nice letter about the the issue that you're reading so that was probably my earliest recollection of uh seeing his name right and then uh i think when a lot of the stuff came became uh cartoons on tv networks right sometimes like he would have an appearance on it or sometimes like he would say something about the episode or you hear his voice right you know, so that definitely all played an influence in, uh, you know, me being familiar with who he was right. and what he did. It's funny. So, like, similar to you, like, I'd probably, like, seen his, you know, not probably I'd seen his name on comic books and stuff. But it's like, you know, sometimes, like, as a kid, that stuff doesn't register. But, like, right, right. You know, it kind of stands out, Stanley, right? But then I remember, and I don't know if you're going to remember this, and this is, like, my earliest remember of, like, Stanley. Oh, sorry. My earliest memory of Stanley's face. Do you remember the Marvel Series 1 cards that came out? Those Marvel cards? Like early 90s? Vaguely. So if you're unfamiliar, Marvel put out uh, a series of cards, right? And they were great. It was like each card had a character. You want to collect the whole set. Like my brother and I probably had hundreds of these cards, right? Series 1, Series 2. Then they did like X-Men. They did. So anyway. Uh, And there was a... I remember seeing this one card. And... At first, my first thought was, is that Jake the Snake? <laughs> and then, but then, like, upon further inspection, you see it says Mr. Marvel, and then it's like Stan Lee. Mm. And it's Stan Lee's face, but he has all these, like, all the characters, like, on his face, like right. Spider-Man, Silver Surfer, like, melded into his face. Right. And I remember seeing this card and being like, this is the most awesome 
character I've ever seen in my life. Like, who is this guy? And that's like my earliest like memory. And if you don't remember, I'll uh, I'm, uh, if you you know if you're if you're old enough to remember, or if you've never seen it, I'll post the, the card on Instagram. But there was a uh, um, I'm showing it to Jordan now, and he's right, nodding right. his head. Uh, and it was just like this. I just remember being like. This is like the coolest character, right? <laughs> and then from then on, like I, I, like I read who Stanley was. I found out who he was, right. you know, and all that. So like that's my earliest like recollection of like, of like being like, who is this Stanley, you know? Right, right. Which right. was pretty early on, you know. I was, I, you know, I was. I think we started collecting those cards. I was in like Catholic school, like maybe like. <laughs> third grade or something like that right, if right. that so um and that's that's an early memory but and, and these and the catholic ideologies definitely played into your yeah you know <laughs> you want to know what i did i did a long day at catholic school and then my mom would pick us up my, us being my brother and i and she would run us to she would just take us to this little store that was next to it. It was like a little, you know, not even a bodega, just like a little newsstanding kind of store. And it had one arcade, which was uh, the first Street Fighter, not even Street Fighter 2. And uh, and this guy sold these Marvel cards. So, right. you know, if it was a good day, you know, my mom would take us and we'd play like a round, you know, like a match or two of Street Fighter. My brother and I, not my mom. And, I. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then we, she buys like a pack of these Marvel cards, and my brother and I just collected them like that. Right, it's like a real fond memory of like just like early, yeah, like introduction to Marvel. Because like I, I believe I had like some comic books and stuff, because that was my interest in the cards. Was like, oh, I know these from comic books, but like those cards really like yeah. swept me away because they gave you all the the information on the back about you know each character and stuff like that. So yeah, before Wikipedia. <laughs> we had we had a we had the trading cards and I actually think that's an interesting part of pop culture that kind of gets lost just because um you know I guess like a lot of people were collectors and I guess like the resale value for a lot of these cards wasn't particularly high after a certain point right, although right. I cuz they made so many of them oh, yeah. just like um but they I mean there were some there was some fantastic artwork oh amazing of one of the great comic book artists Arthur Adams did the whole Marvel series too and they're incredible and I remember like collecting those as a kid not knowing who Arthur Adams was and then like later on as I got older like looking at Arthur Adams work and being like this is the guy that did the cards and then he uh the first X-Men series that was just it was same cards but like only X-Men characters, villains, bad guys. Uh, same thing. <laughs> villains, good guys. But uh, that was done by Jim Lee. The right, right. Jim Lee. Agreed. Who Jim Lee. sort of like, you know, early 90s, him and Chris Claremont brought the X-Men back, X-Men back, stuff like that. Yeah. So... Uh, so if you, so, you know, the, the early memory of Stanley aside, what would you say, I don't even want to say like the biggest impact, but like, how do you see or feel, uh, Stan Lee's work like has impacted your life? Like, I think part of the reason we're doing this podcast is because of Stan Lee. Yeah. I mean, um, and just to build off of that, like he, I put it like this, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily... It's like a known fact that he wasn't necessarily the guy creating the characters per se. 
He created some characters. He created a few of them, sure. but, but um, he was more of like the writer, and he kind of right. uh, had a structure for how these characters were kind of like introduced into the storylines. There's this right. thing called, uh, I think it's called like the Marvel method or Marvel technique, where uh, the way they would do stories was that they wouldn't necessarily write out everything like panel by panel. They would kind of like write out, I think, like the description of what's supposed to happen, right? And then like the the artists kind of like tell a little bit of control, and then like Stanley would also have his in, like some some input too, but, right? Um, it was kind of like this half and half style approach, and it makes right. sense too because like like if you were to write what was supposed to be happening in every panel, it can be really difficult, right? right? So you have to give like the artist some like uh, flexibility to like f- like figure out what's going to be right. each one, but also like have a narrative for like what's supposed to happen ultimately. Um, but I think uh, the notion, because he, in a lot of ways, was I, I, I often say that he was like the, the best like producer. Like he knew how to get an illustrator and uh, like an artist and inker and kind of like and kind of like even you know work with writers to kind of right. build out a vision for what an issue and I guess a story arc is supposed to be for these uh, these characters. Right. You know, and he was also very much like a product of like the civil rights era too, which I think, right. which played, is huge, which is for, huge, yeah, yeah. especially for Marvel in right. particular. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, even I think for us with eight AM shift, there's a level of world building. I think. Right. You know, yeah. our, our world is like you know, New York City, and we're kind of geeky people. Our world <laughs> is also pop culture. Our world is New York City as affected by Stanley. Pretty, yeah, in a lot of ways. It's true. It is. It's funny because it's like, yes, right? Like, he didn't create all the characters. He helped des- definitely created some, like, co created, like, him and Steve Ditko, right? And, right, right. But I think the sort of ideology behind the characters, even if behind the Marvel characters, right? That even if he didn't create them, right? It still followed this like Stanley ideology, right? Like these characters had their own like fantastical stories, but all these stories behind each story, right? There was, there was a message, right? These stories were like allegory for what was going on in the world, right? And I think that was powerful, right? Because he found a way to reach people that may have been unreachable, right? And even... Even just like in my own life, it's just like, you know, like being a young kid, Brooklyn, like, you know, and I was an energetic kid, you know, some would say ADHD, (laughs) you know, and it was like now, right, like in my adult life, right, like I love... I love reading. I love reading comic books, books, like whatever I can read. But like as a kid, it made me, it was hard for me to like sit down. But you want know, to know what grabbed me it was like these comic books and these stories, right? They enthralled me and they like brought that sort of love of reading and character and fantasy. Like they, they, they gave me that, you know, and, and, and be the fact that I grew up largely a Marvel kid and there's always that divide even though you know i still read dc also uh i wholeheartedly like give stan lee like a lot of that credit right he brought these stories and he facilitated these other artists and writers in 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 in, in, gave them a space to create yeah these these stories that i grew up loving yeah he i mean he gave he gave us a childhood in a lot of ways you know um and i think i know for a lot of people that like dealt with you know, more like more chaotic households. Sometimes those comic books were a great escape for them. Right. You know, and the fact that he was writing or the fact that he had people behind these stories that were writing them in a way that allowed people to escape and just kind of like tap into their imagination, I think is really, really powerful. Right. 
you know. I remember sitting down, and I'm I'm not I don't I'm I say this with all honesty, like for hours just combing through those cards, man, and like reading the back of each one, like meticulously. Yeah, like I remember, like because it would give you like the stats, right? So it would give you like these numbered graphs of like what the you know their energy level was. right but right. then it would also give you a description of the character right and then it would give you like their first appearance and then it would give you like a did you know fact and right. like all this really really cool stuff that you could just like spend hours like going through like these cards it was the same it was uh fond fond memories is, is what it is but uh so what do you think about so like from i heard that they uh, apparently like, uh, I guess Marvel Studios recorded a lot of these like Stanley cameos for the movies. So like they have sort of like a backlog of them to like put into movies, which I'm kind of interested to see how yeah. they're going to like shoehorn those in there. Yeah. I saw an article the other day that uh, people actually put together a petition for um, Deadpool to replace uh, Stanley in the uh, cameos now, which I thought was kind of like funny and I, honestly uh, uh, Jordan's making a face but it, it's, I I feel like it's something that Stan would think was funny kind of someone actually put together a petition <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah. for, for that yes Jordan <laughs> well to that I say we really want Howard the Duck ooh <laughs> or Beta Ray Bill Beta Ray Bill would be great I kind of lean more Howard the Duck just cause he's a little funnier in mine <laughs> although his movie sucked <laughs> but, what, are you, what are you talking about <laughs> but, it's an amazing movie <laughs> it's Jordan's favorite it, movie it's George Next. Lucas right <laughs> Yes, it is George. George Lucas produced. Um, to be honest, a Howard the Duck, and to be, he's already cameoed in like two of the Marvel movies, so it's, it's, a, it's kind of only fitting that he can like continue the cameos. But apparently, they've also Marvel Studios has like recorded a bunch of these like these cameos with Stan Lee, so like we have them for a pretty long time, I think. Yeah. So now we'll see like how they like in Infinity War two, and everything's all destroyed like how they work Stanley into it. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what they do with it too. I mean, as weird as weird as this is gonna sound in the era of AI, you can probably uh find a way to keep him his voice, his likeness. I mean you definitely could, but I think the fact that they just like went ahead and did a bunch of them is like good. So you don't have to actually like CGI Stanley into stuff. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like it'll right. just be actual Stanley, you know? Well I think what was interesting is that he kind of knew from judging by how everything like happened and even the fact that he had like a final farewell to like, his fans and right. I think it's kind of telling that he, he knew, you know, that, you know, he spent almost a hundred years on this planet, right. you know? So I think he kind of had a very strong feeling and I won't even lie. Like part of me, when I think about it more and more, it really, really kind of makes me depressed because for a very long time I wanted to meet him and I yeah. just never found the time to do it and I feel like really bad now because it's like it's funny because when he like, did his last um he did his last appearance at New York Comic Con and part of me was like there were two reasons why I didn't try to do it one I was like it it would be a madhouse right like swarmed yeah. but two it was you know, they were like, you were starting to hear stories about him sort of being forced to do some of these things when he didn't want to do it. You right, know, like, right. there were like all these like 
elder abuse things. Like, I don't want to put like a damper on the uh, tribute podcast. So it was like, I was just kind of like, I want to leave that alone. So like, I like you, you know, just wish I could have met him like once in my life. But like, the thing is, and the great thing about that video, and if you haven't seen it, we posted it on the uh, ADM Shift Facebook page. Uh, There was a, a, a sort of a goodbye and it wasn't even like an intentional goodbye video, but it was this video that the family posted of Stan just talking about how he loved his fans. And that's one thing like you always understood from Stan Lee. Yeah. Is like he loved his fans. It wasn't like, you know, Stan Lee did all this great stuff and then he was like, his personality was like Christian Bale or something like that, you know? <laughs> it was like, it was like, not to say that Christian Bale doesn't love his fans, but you know, the guy's beating up cinematographers <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> of all people of all actors to compare <laughs> family <Batman. too>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know the, the fact that he like genuinely loved his fans, yeah right? yeah and it always felt that way right you never felt uh it never felt fake from stanley which i thought was which i always appreciated as a fan yeah no i definitely i definitely agree um yeah it's 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 depressing. Um, you know, I saw that the uh, the Avengers cast they took out the original Avengers cast took out this ad, I believe, in the Hollywood Reporter, thanking him. Right. You know, you could see the effect that he had even on, uh, even on them. You know, like that's not something you see very often. Right. Yeah. You know, and he wasn't even like you know like he. He's not the guy who made the movie in terms of like he didn't direct the movies he didn't, but you can tell like they yeah. all met him and he had like even an impact on their life, right? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, they're all like making these epic movies because of like characters he either created or supported or, you know. Um, I think one thing that I wanted to bring up was the resurfacing of Stan Soapbox from 1968. Uh, it's the one where he talks about or he write, where he wrote about uh, he's very honest about bigotry and racism. And he says, he writes, let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. And I think what stood out to me was that um, this guy passed away. And sometimes it feels like society hasn't moved past that even after 50 years. Right. And, and you know, most would say, like, well, why would it? Those things are always going to be there. I, I totally... I totally, I totally get it. I'm totally one of those people that would probably say something like that. Right. But the, the interesting thing was that the, initially that had resurfaced back, I think, in 2017 after Charlottesville. Right. And then, you know, it resurfaced again because, you know, like he was just a, a someone that stood against those, those, those social ills. Right. And while, you know, those things are always going to exist, it's in some ways disheartening to think that you know this guy writing this in 1968 from the perspective of all this stuff happening during the civil rights era you know him and then him like 50 years later passing away and there's a strong likelihood you know that there's going to be a new generation fighting those same social ills or we're going to still have to keep fighting those social ills right right? and you know part of you wonders how, how much of like the writing was I mean, the writing, I don't want to say that it was necessarily in vain, you know, but I'd rather like to think that this is like a, should serve as a reminder or inspiration that you have to keep doing that even if it's going to take another 50 years. Right. 
<laughs> See, but I think one of the things that, and I think this is the positive way to look at it, and is that right? He, that's Stan coming out flat out and saying this is wrong, right? Yeah. But he was smart enough, and he knew well enough to also supplant those thoughts and ideas within the work he was creating right absolutely so that's why i like the x-men who are like characters you know born out of the the civil rights movement right if you don't get it when you hear the words flat out but then you can read these comic books and then make a correlation right he's still having that effect right and i think that's like a positive way to look at it is to like see what his work also did right and what you know his work stood for right so Yes, I agree that, like, you can think about it that way and be like, man, 50 years and we're still in the same spot. Right. And in some some ways we are, in some ways we aren't. Um, but it's still nice to also think about or know that there's work out there that could potentially have, you know, changed people's minds. And I think his work has. I think there are people who have, and I'm sure you can go out there and, like, find, like, YouTube testimonials of, like, people who are, like... I thought one way I read this work, fell in love with these characters and it allowed me to, to open my eyes and, and view the world in a different way. Right. right. You know, so, um, you gotta, it's glass, glass half full, glass half empty. Right. right. This is the way you gotta look at it. But absolutely. I'm usually half empty, but on this one, I'm going to be half full. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. How you have to keep pushing and fighting for these things, you know? So back in 2016, when I was in grad school, I did a final paper on Stanley. Ah, uh, yes, I've heard about this final paper. This is interesting because, first of all, I don't even know, like, it was kind of strange that they wanted us to write um, a paper on a leader. <laughs> right. It was for, like, a C-suite class. So, but I was like, you know what, let me let me do something that I find interesting or right. someone I find interesting and end up being... Stanley. So a majority of my writing came from like two particular sources. And I recommend uh, these two sources to anyone listening. Uh, one was, oh, Stan's memoir. It's right. called Amazing, Fantastic, Incredible. You can mm -hmm. look that one up on Amazon. Um, and there's also a Vulture article from 2016 called Stanley's Universe. That one dives into the more, I guess, complexities around his legacy. Right. Because, you know, he has been accused of not really creating all of the characters wholeheartedly. Right. He, he was more like, um, he was he was very hands-off and a lot of those like artists like Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby right. were the ones that kind of created and were created those particular characters, some of which include like Spider-Man. Right. Um, but... You know, they, they some of them don't feel like they. Some of those artists never felt like they got the recognition that they deserved. And you, if you look at their trajectory career-wise, like Jack Kirby, for example, like he ended up going to DC. DC, yeah. You know, um, but Stan was very adamant that he felt bad that he never gave them the the credit or right. or you know. And the thing is that in a lot of ways he had a very he had a big personality. Like pe people in that position tend to have very big personalities. Right. You know, artists aren't always like that. They're very much into their craft sometimes. You know, right. So it's like the Steve Jobs and the Wozniak situation. Yeah, right? yeah. Like Wozniak was, and 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 I, I don't think it's like 
to that degree because I think Stan did definitely have influence in creating some of these characters. Yeah. But if you need even know about the tie, I was just mentioning uh, I finished uh, uh, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay like a couple of months ago. And, you know, it's about these two comic book you know, artist and writer, you know, uh, early to mid 1940s early 1940s and it's uh you know and it, stanley comes up in it and he's even thanked at the at the author's uh, letter in the back of the book and you see how that sort of world developed right like there were a lot of these guys sort of like poaching each other's ideas and right, things like right. that so you know i'm not going to pretend like everything was perfect but the thing is is he still definitely played a part in creating some of these characters and that's why he gets a creator credit and but for me more than creating the characters it's just what he facilitated after that you see what i'm saying yeah, yeah. and that's where i think his legacy really lies yeah right yeah is how marvel became marvel because of him right and there's all these stories about i think he lost it at one point yeah. and got it back and it's just like he was never a majority owner. Actually, no, no, Marvel. he was never a majority owner, but yeah. he he still he was definitely he uh you know had an impact on like where a lot of stories and characters went. He was the face of the organization, and if we're being honest, like I don't think Marvel is where it is right now, right? Making billion dollar movies without Stanley's influence. It's just that simple, right? Just take a look at DC. <laughs> 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 Sent shivers down Jordan's spine. It, not to not to detract from the conversation, but one thing I was thinking about last night was how right now there's this whole thing with the Disney streaming service right. ramping up, and I'm looking at it like if you really think about how broad their catalog is, not even including like ESPN, right? Because right. ESPN is owned by yeah, it's yeah, owned by Disney. Disney right? also. If you were just to like bank on just Disney plus Marvel plus Star Wars. Think about Avatar. <laughs> um, just those three franchises alone, I'm already like, you know, they might actually have a a good shot at succeeding with that particular service. I think it is, and not only that, they made the smart move of going after 20th Century Fox, so they know now that yep. they're gonna get all that content, and guess what? That's gonna stream on their service, right? right. Pull it off of Netflix, do all that stuff. So it's like. <laughs> I think Disney streaming service is actually going to do very well, which is going to make a lot of people angry because a lot of people are hating the Disney machine. And I'm not say I'm not saying I'm a hundred percent on board with the Disney machine, but hey, listen, man, some good movies have been made. Like, what, what do you want me to say, man? I'm not going to lie. Right. Well, I mean, what's smart about what they're doing is very much like what, like, well, Apple had tried to do, which is you consolidate all that into like one. Umbrella, so it's direct right. to consumer. Right. No license it out to everyone, like, you know. Now Apple's making deals with A24. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's all I had to say about uh, Stan and this paper that I wrote. But You got to let me read that paper, man. Uh, Jordan's been hiding stuff from me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very, it, it it's one of those, it, I think, because the memoir is obviously his memoir, and he right. obviously wrote this because... Like really, really think about it. It came out in 2015, so that was about three years ago. Right. He wrote he wrote it because you know he knew these things were kind of like slowly age was eventually going to catch up to him. Right, right. Um, 
and he acknowledges some of his faults, some of his past like mistakes, you know. Um, I think the one thing, if there's any question I would have loved to ask Stanley, especially after reading his memoir and even reading about um, just his time growing up, growing up in New York, because he was originally, um, his family had moved to the Bronx. He attended DeWitt Clinton High School, right. uh, a very uh, well-known high school in the Bronx. <laughs> But one thing I always found fascinating, and he doesn't really, he's never really, he's never talked about it. He never talked about it. Um, but he actually attended DeWitt Clinton around the same time as the writer James Baldwin. And I was always curious to, to know if he ever had like a fleeting moment or walked by him right. in the hallway or anything. That, that would be him. like, <laughs> like a great moment to flash back to if they right. ever like cross paths. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, to me, it's like when Ron Stallworth and from Black Klansman, right. talks about how he had like this moment with Stokely Carmichael. Right. You know right. I mean? like, like he, he says in an interview, that was like his one fleeting moment with history. Right. Right. And I always wondered if like, because I know James Baldwin passed away, I think in the eighties and then, you know, Stanley obviously passed away just now. Like, I mean, you're talking about two, like historic figures and you know Baldwin is obviously very much well known for his writing during the civil rights mm -hmm. era um and being a f one of the few like lgbtq uh faces right in that in that period and you know to if if there was a moment ever where these two had crossed paths or just like even nodded to each other like i think for a lot of people listening like you know, that'd be a really, really like touching thing to hear, but we'll never know. Unfortunately, I feel like this is a short film in the making, like a college student is going to turn this into a short film. Right. <laughs> I don't know what that title would be, but right. But <laughs> fleeting moments with history. <laughs> it is, it is, an, it is uh, an interesting thing to think about though. If they had yeah. ever like cross paths, I didn't realize, I guess I should have, but like, I, I didn't realize that they were there like around the same time. Yeah. 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 So, well, uh, if you guys have any thoughts on uh, Stan Lee, we'd ask you to share them on, uh, you know, Facebook page or uh, anything like that. I mean, I want to put that that Stan Lee card up on Instagram, and I think <laughs> I think people should should uh, check it out. It's pretty awesome. It sells for eighteen bucks if you're interested. <laughs> so it's got marked up a little bit, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, guys, that's another one. I just, um, you know, felt like it'd be a good little tribute for uh, Stan the Man. You yeah. know? Thank you, Stan. Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs> Shifters out. Shifters out and True Believers out. True Believers out. <laughs> <laughs>